Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have smart discussion with expert, thought leader and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, a big pleasure to have Pascal Kaufman with me. To be honest, I am not sure if it's an hologram, if it's the real Pascal, or if it's the Pascal with something like a lens and other people are telling him what to say. But we will find out during this discussion. Hi, Pascal. How are you? Hi, Gregorio. Uh, great to be here. Sometimes I'm also not so sure myself <laughs> whether or not uh, I'm a real guy or not, but... Uh, I'm the, the biological Pascal here, yeah? all fine. <laughs> Perfect, thank you very much. And I want to be honest with, with you, with, with the audience, we have one of the smartest brain in Switzerland, and therefore I would ask Pascal to quickly introduce himself. Well, uh, thanks, Gregorio. Well, I'm a neuroscientist. Um, I did brain dissections back in the days, so I have a neuroscience background. I founded a company uh, called StarMind together with my co-founder, Mark von Tobel. I love everything that is related to cyborg technology. So I would love to think with the power of thousand brains. And in my latest endeavor called MindFire, we try to create human-level AI and ultimately, hopefully, a guarding angel that could support me in my daily decisions and could, could do my job for me. That would be my vision. Yeah. Thank you, Pascal, or thank you, Frankenstein. Uh, sorry, thank you, Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frankenstein was actually a Swiss scientist, so it's a great, it was a great guy, yeah? yeah clear, but it's a bit of a strange setup. No, joke by side, I, I want to be also professional. Um, I think I, I would like really to start discussing about human-like artificial intelligence or intelligence. I think everybody is following you. You are doing an example that... Um, if a machine needs 300 million pictures of a cat to find out that it's a cat and not uh, an house or, um, or something, uh, something else different, it's not really intelligent. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? Yes, yes. I'm a little bit disappointed regarding this deep learning, machine learning hype these days. I think uh, people make the mistake, the same mistake again and again that they just take the most complicated thing that we know in the world, which is a computer at the moment, besides from biology, and then we kind of equate it with the human brain. The same mistake was done like three, 400 years ago, where people thought in the brain there are like clockwork and watches and wheels, because the, the, the watch industry was actually on the verge there. So um, yeah, human-level AI doesn't mean just to have this kind of box that looks a little bit like a human being, but within there are like pumps and wheels, it actually means really understanding the principles of intelligence and creating devices, creating tools, creating maybe robots that could actually be on the same level as a human being and assist us as a friendly assistant and that would uh, ease our lives, that would help me in boosting research, that would be able to think with the power of a thousand brains. Such a human-level AI machine would be a vision uh, uh, that I would... Uh, uh, very much welcome, yeah. But if I understand well, it means what we are standing trying to do, it's we are putting computer power into computers to calculate quicker and quicker and quicker. And what you're saying is we are going, let's say, in the wrong direction. 
Yes, indeed. I do not think that the brain is a computer. So it is actually a little bit the same mistake like uh, copying birds. So a few hundred years ago, people wanted to create artificial birds. And maybe you remember those like wooden uh, constructions they never really took off when you look at the history books. And it was Leonardo da Vinci, which actually also explains in my background, who said, actually, it's just the, the shape, the wing shape, which is mission critical if you want to create flying machines. And therefore, with this deep learning approach, uh, equating the brain like as, as a huge uh, statistics engine, I think uh, that's very short-sighted. And we didn't make a lot of progress qualitatively in the understanding of the brain. So the principles that we apply these days are like 60, 70-year-old concepts that now come into fruition uh, based on faster computers. But actually, when you need 300 million pictures of cats, as you said, Gregorio, uh, in order to say it's a cat, a horse, or a cow, I don't find it so intelligent. So intelligent to me would be like a child looking at one cat, cuddling the cat a little bit, and uh, knows once and forever the cat is. So the brain is much more a small data machine, and that's actually uh, what I think uh, we should look for. What are the principles of intelligence? Maybe the brain is a superorganism constituted by very, very simple elements, 100 million brain cells, maybe there is even a brain code. That could be the roots uh, for human-level AI. And how far are you with your research, with your company, Mindfire, to break this code, finding this principle, and trying to find out how the, the brain is organized? Yeah, maybe you know about the Human Brain Project in Switzerland, where we attracted almost 1 billion funding. It was a 10-year project. By the way, there is a very interesting uh, movie out there since a few months about the summary of this Human Brain Project. And I think the mistake there was that they really want to replicate uh, brain tissue. So like copying the feathers of the bird instead of looking for the principles. And Mindfire shies away from that. We do not try to copy nature. And uh, asking me for the question, how far away are we for a breakthrough, a qualitative breakthrough? There are people that I know that tell me, we actually know what the brain code is. We have actually cracked the principle of intelligence. And then I tell them, no one will believe you. You have to build a prototype. You have to demonstrate it so that everyone understands, okay, they really cracked it. So I believe it when I see it. And at the moment, I don't know of any prototype that is able to solve certain problems where humans are very, very uh, uh, good at it and, uh, and where machines are very bad at it. I don't see self-driving cars, for example, or I don't see machines which are able to do automated research. So I would say, principally, we may have understood how the brain works, but we haven't translated that into applications and into prototypes. And I think that may take a few years from now. But I don't think it's a 50 years uh, time frame you're talking about. I think the translation of existing know-how into prototypes is a matter of just a few years. Okay, this is interesting because uh, it means we will see that. And I'm really keen to, to see that. And what you're saying, I think it's, it's really interesting, but also impressive because uh, we spoke in the, at the beginning about children. You have one small child. I have also a small child is four years old. And now it's all about driving cars. He would like to drive the car. And then I told him, sorry, but I'm not sure that you can drive the car in 14 years when you are 18 years old because the car will drive itself. 
And he was quite scared and looked at myself and said, what are you explaining, Papi? I said, yeah, I think <laughs> we are moving fast forward. And also with this COVID situation, um, I think it, it accelerated everything. But but this is really interesting. And coming back to, to, to this project, to this company, Mindfire, this organization, um, I saw a presentation from you where you showed uh, a matrix. And on this matrix, you had the performance and uh, the competence. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? Because for me, it was really mind-blowing what you explained. Yes, I uh, did research in the Artificial Intelligence Lab in Switzerland. And my professor told me never, ever use the term AI. Because when you talk about artificial intelligence, it's like talking about ethics. Everyone has a, a different understanding, but a very strong opinion what AI really is. So um, I told him, I'm not satisfied with that answer. I need to have a scheme where I can explain what we mean with AI. And he explained to me this simple chart where you actually have the performance of something. For example, building faster uh, search engines or recognizing cancer on photo, photographies, etc. So whenever it comes uh, to performance, you can always build a machine that outsmarts, that beats a human being. So I would say whenever there's a rule behind, whenever it can be formalized, you can always build machines that are better than human beings. Interestingly, on the x-axis, um, it's like the competence of something. So give an example for competence. If you ask a machine, what can you do with a pair of shoes? Most machines will tell you, you can actually wear them, right? But a human being or even your, your little son would tell you, oh, you know, with uh, shoes, you can actually plant nails into the walls, you can build ships, you can even throw them at people because uh, they know what a shoe is. Or also when you have a chessboard and it's, it hasn't like eight times eight fields, but like 13 times 13 fields, every human being who is able to play chess is able to transfer existing know-how to unseen situations. This transfer of know-how we call competence. And for the machines, that's complete mystery. We do not know how to build machines which are competent. So what Mindfire tries to build is human level AI and humans actually are both competent and in certain tasks, very performant. But we are very bad with human beings in repetitive tasks. So it would be awesome to have a machine with the competence of a human being, but with the performance of a machine. This uh, is what we strive for. And uh, I like this example a lot because no machine can these days uh, transfer know-how from existing uh, information to unseen situations. This competence is something that only human beings are capable of still these days. And I think this is a very, very tight linked to, to StarMind, the other company that you created, because there what you are saying or what I learned from this company, it's not about learning, learning, learning and reading all the days uh, to get more competent, but to find the right expert in the world or in your company. And these experts could, could, could help you. Is this correct? Yeah, perfect summary, Gregorio. The thing is a little bit... I'm a very slow learner. I mean, I, started, I did this ancient Greek and Latin languages, and I studied for seven years old languages. I have forgotten almost everything, right? But um, much better would have been if I have a problem, I can just turn to the expert in ancient Greek, or I could just turn to the expert in, let's say, algorithms, and that person would explain to me the relevant know-how. And this is what you uh, described with the company StarMind. It's kind of a super organism where you connect a lot of human beings around the globe and taken together, these many, many, many human brains are kind of forming a super brain. 
So in a way, we already have super intelligent uh, organisms. Uh, it's whenever you connect people in a systematic way, we can outperform an individual human brain. And I believe if you could somehow harness that superhuman intelligence and focus that onto this topic of AI, what could be the principle of intelligence, I think we could do a breakthrough. And that's actually what Mindfire is doing. We tried to unite 300,000 smart people around the globe. We laser focus them onto the unsolved questions in brain research and AI and try a, a breakthrough before someone else does this breakthrough. And that's a race for AI, like the moon race, uh, the, the race for space. It's a race for who can first create human level AI. And I think what you mentioned, it's really interesting. And I think this is the key of this project. And But I would like that you explain that because if we think about US and all these big giants or China with, with, um, with other targets, perhaps it's better to have somebody else winning this, this race. Is this correct? It's what you are trying to do. Yes, yes. And I was just in Shanghai um, a few months ago, and it was very interesting because they really built AI for the government. So, and they're really proud of that. So in, in China, they have a different value system, right? In the, in, in the US, for example, large, large tech corporations, they also try to do a breakthrough in artificial intelligence, but then they would use it for the company. But no one actually is trying to build AI for the people. And I think the old continent Europe, we have at least one uh, task in, in our history again, in, in our future, I would say, which is creating human level AI for the people. And Switzerland would be ideally suited for that role because we're kind of neutral. We have some of the highest talent densities in the world here in Zurich or in Lugano or at, at Lausanne Epefel. And um, we would even be accepted in the world with this role because we have a history of being a facilitator, of bringing people together. If Switzerland lets this third way, we call it, of creating AI not for government and not for company, but for the people, I think that would be an interesting, ideal role for Switzerland. And this is what we also try to shape at Mindfire. We try to develop an ecosystem in Switzerland and beyond to uh, uh, create human level AI for the people. Uh, how far are you to get these 300,000 people or experts together? Yeah, you kind of already asked it, but I evaded your question a little bit, but I tried to give an answer on that. In the year 2018, we did Mindfire Mission 1, which was bringing together the smartest people in the world and physically flying them into Switzerland, actually into the Swiss Alps, and we hired a sholly. We rent a sholly, and then we actually locked them in and we tried to crack the brain code. So we actually extracted uh, many interesting lessons, uh, lessons learned. So one of these was, it is actually not scalable to fly in people physically, in particular because of Corona, or uh, uh, also like when you look at the ecological uh, footprint, it might be more wi wiser to actually leave them in the countries where they are and somehow use technology to connect them. So what we at Mindfire uh, do these days, we create virtual reality labs, like in, in virtual reality, you put on your, your VR glass, and then you are within the ideal artificial intelligence lab. The best lab you can think of, you have all the tools that you need. And whenever you have a question at hand, instantly you are uh, presented the 10 leading experts in the world 
who are actually online and who are also sharing the lab with you. So that actually uh, works already. We have uh, built this infrastructure uh, with uh, many, many uh, uh, trial and errors. We also have incentive schemes. I mean, why should a talent share know-how, right? Uh, we actually also have a mechanism to identify the right talent for uh, uh, specific questions. And uh, by end of June in this year, we like to present this virtual reality AI lab to the first bunch of young people. And our target group are the people been 15 years old and 25 years old. We believe in young people who sometimes ask very naive questions, who do not believe that the brain is a fast computer. And these people will like to try to unite in these AI labs. So I think in the second uh, part of this year, uh, there will be many, many interesting teams competing in these AI labs, and they try to build prototypes. Uh, they try to build robots that have to uh, solve certain tasks. And uh, we try to verify whether or not uh, these algorithms are really uh, outstanding. And of course, we also patent that and intellectual property would then belong to the talent, of course, who actually invented that. So I think it's an interesting scheme. And we developed this uh, concept over many years, yeah. Damn, I was not invited in 2018, but not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> just 50 people, Gregor, just 50 people. Oh. No, uh, again, a joke by side. I think this is this re really, really interesting. And you are touching one, one relevant topic, and I know we don't have enough time to discuss everything, but at least to get your view on, on the topic ethics. We spoke about uh, big, big, uh, big companies. We spoke about countries. And now we are also speaking about this talents pool that are creating something new. And also going further, thinking about then when this artificial intelligence is here and and the artificial intelligence creates something new. What's your view on that? Yeah, you know, um, ethics, I mean, I usually say I'm a hobo, a hobby ethics person because um, it's very hard to be an expert in ethics because it's so relative in every country almost, in every uh, uh, different, uh, there are different perspectives on this topic. So we are not even able to have human rights on this planet. And I mean, we do not talk about AI that we talk about killing people or not. And we do not have an agreement on that. So imagine now an ethics regarding AI, I think it's completely unrealistic. So um, instead of doing a lot of philosophy about ethics, we should try to, uh, to be very, very at the cutting edge of this development so that we can shape a little bit where it's going. So talking about ethics, we need to build AI uh, and to give it to the people. If we do not believe human, uh, build human-level AI, I guarantee you, we will not be able to solve our self-made problems uh, that we have on this planet with our uh, old-fashioned human brains. I'm very, very skeptical when I look at the current developments that we really can all unite and, and somehow magically solve these questions. We need to have something better than human uh, intelligence I think we need to have this artificial intelligence. And I think it's ethical to create AI as soon as possible, as fast as possible. And I think it's unethical to let this race to up to the companies or up to some uh, very uh, autocratic uh, countries. So it is an ethical imperative to build human level AI uh, and ideally in a free country and ideally for the people. I fully agree with you, and at the end, this is the this is the key. If you are creating that for the, or you are creating that for the better and for the people, then then it's important to have uh, some principle. 
but at the end there is no human being that can really decide this is correct or this is right or this is wrong it's it starts with the self-driving cars if they have an accident who is responsible for that and so on and and this is clear based on the fact that you are speaking quite a lot of, about human beings does it mean what you are explaining that then in future this um, ai will be able also to be empathetic with people have feelings Well, maybe you remember the Tamagotchi X uh, decades ago, uh, or even today, certain pets. I mean, human beings uh, attribute emotions into objects. I mean, if you take away my iPhone, I get crazy, right? It's like an organ to me. So we human beings, we don't have an issue in placing uh, emotions, feelings in like objects. The other question is, do these objects have emotion, feelings, etc.? I would say you don't even know that from your uh, human friends. I mean, you could talk to a zombie, that zombie without any feelings could actually just pretend to have feelings. I would argue we would have a very, very hard time to find out whether this person, this zombie person, has subjectively the emotional empathy or whether or not it's just like a very well-trained zombie or a very well-trained robot. So this entire um, um, talking about empathy Uh, I find uh, you can trick that rather easily. On the other hand, I can uh, give you a little bit of oxytocin. It's a so-called kiss hormone. And all of a sudden you feel the chemistry is so nice between Gregorio and Pascal. Somehow just things are right. And so tricking human beings by means of hormones is relatively easily easy. So I wouldn't bet too much on emotions and uh, on these feelings. Uh, therefore, I do not think that this will pose a major hurdle for machines to somehow imitate emotions or even to trigger emotions, being chemically or being it just by being a nice Tamagotchi egg. Yeah, yes, I, I can understand that. And from my point of view, we are also far, far away because uh, my fridge is not able to understand that milk is missing <laughs> and, and all this stuff. And before they empathize with me that milk is missing, I would like that <laughs> this easy task is, is possible to, to get performed automatically so that I don't need to lose time going to, for, to, to buy for grocery. Or the big example that I'm always using as to, to, to define an appointment with the doctor or something like that, why the two machines cannot speak together. They check my, my calendar and they define, okay, this is the right point in time and the doctor point in time is also, per, and then you can match that. And these are examples that I was discussing Uh, 20 years ago when I was at the university and we still don't have really the, the, the right solution. <laughs> yeah, maybe just on a side comment, most animals in the world, uh, most living beings uh, are not very emotional. If you think of plants, if you think of certain uh, uh, lower uh, level like animals, they can perfectly live without displaying emotions. So um, I'm not so sure whether intelligent machines Uh, how much emotions, uh, how many emotions we really want to program that in. So uh, let's let's see. It's it's really interesting. And, uh, and I think as, as we are speaking about empathy, emotion, and so on, we would like also to learn a bit more from the human side of Pascal. I'm not speaking with the cyborg anymore <laughs> with the Pascal. Uh, Perhaps the first question to, to, to learn a bit more about you. You are extremely active. If we you won all the possible awards and uh, you did everything, I think you can feel two or three lives of normal people already now. 
how can you ensure to have a proper work-life balance, life-work balance? I think that's a very good question, uh, Gregorio. It also has to do with age. I learned that when you are a young guy, you should work like crazy so that you can uh, come forth, that you can progress, etc. But sometimes, uh, it's maybe around the age of 40, you should question yourself. Can you do that for another 40 years or shouldn't you change your strategy? And I think asking the right people, knowing whom to ask is really very important uh, to me. So because of this company, StarMind, I started, uh, I would say about 10 years ago, to more focus on the right questions and to not focus too much on solutions. Because when you're able to ask the right question, when you're able to describe a task sufficiently, you can solve it. Maybe machines can do it or someone else can do it. So I, I, I love collaboration. I love team working. Some tasks are easy to me, but sometimes are really, really difficult to me. So why not collaborating? And I think in the world, there are so many smart people. It's really about finding the right project, finding the right people. And then I think people can achieve a lot in their lifetimes. It's also this augmented intelligence thing that I like. I would love to have a lens on my eye. Whenever I have a presentation, sometimes I forget my text, right? I would love to have like a teleprompter where I can read that. This was a fantasy like 10 years ago. But these days, this kind of technology started to exist. Or even in my ear, sometimes I have like these little hearing aids. Uh, uh, students are sitting in the background. And when I do not know the solution to an answer, my students Google that. And during the speech, I can actually give the solution. So it's not that Pascal is a Superman, but that Pascal knows how to use technology. So this is augmented intelligence. And I love to embrace technology in order to augment my capabilities. But you're right. I would love, uh, I would wish uh, to, uh, to, uh, to uh, not need sleep so much. I love sleeping, right? Machines don't have this issue. So I still am bound by my human uh, boundaries and frontiers and uh, the human factor. I think I start to feel because I'm getting older and older. So it feels to me that the future belongs to the young people, the smart, uh, full energized people, but uh, people like me, we should ask the right questions and we should try to motivate teams to focus on the right questions. So that's a little bit how I work. And I, and I really like what, what you're saying because then it's, It's about the experience that you already have, that you already face, that you can help and support the team solving questions, but you are not providing the answer. They are providing the answer and you are giving all, all only guidance based on the passion and your experiences. Therefore, I, I fully agree with you. It's, it's, it's also, we have 24 hours in one day. We need to sleep. We like to sleep. And therefore, it, it's, it's focus. You are rather focused on, on what is relevant for you and on the business side and on the, on the family side. Uh, perhaps you, you, you mentioned that, um, that you are not reading a lot and other people should, should read for you. But the question I'm always asking, is there a book or um, also a film, a video or something that you would like to, to mention that other people could profit from, from it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I was blown away by certain documentary movies that I was watching uh, during the Corona period. I'm a big fan of Arte, which is uh, like a European uh, TV format. And uh, they just published the latest about genes. And they also published the latest about conscious research. 
and they also published an interview about free will. And uh, because scientists obviously had a lot of time during the corona crisis, because they were also locked uh, back home, some of the top-notch scientists, they were ready for interviews, they were available for interviews, and you get a very nice overview on the state of the art in neuroscience, genetics, ethics, just by looking at these uh, movies. I can send you the URLs afterwards, uh, Gregorio. Uh, this was very mind-blowing to me, and I learned things I've never heard before. Uh, I was blown away about the progress, about certain things that are very new. And a lot of ethical questions also have been raised there. And it's interesting how people uh, respond to these ethical challenges. So definitely I would recommend this movie. And one of my all, all, all days uh, favorites is Alien Covenant. Alien Covenant, I don't know whether or not people know that, but it's basically an artificial intelligence movie. I was blown away because I expected this horror alien movies thing. But after watching Alien Covenant, I really, I had to sit down and just reflect on what I've seen. I think AI can go into that in that direction as it is described there. I was blown away. Uh, very nice, thank you. And for sure, Pascal, I will add all the links that you're sharing with me in the show notes, more than happy. Perhaps you mentioned something about this movie, but I think there are quite a lot of science fiction movies that are showing how could be the future. And sometimes they find out really what will be our future. Well, maybe I have to rephrase the question. Uh, is there a question there, Gregorio? Yes. What, what's your view on that? Because we saw from, from, uh, from some science fiction films that are really showing what will be the future. And perhaps somebody already thought about something. And now it's, it's a question how we could use that for, for the better of people. So I think in the Prometheus uh, part of the Alien Saga, by Ridley Scott, they described this company called Wayland, how they created the first cybernetic uh, machines. And then he gave a speech where he said, why shouldn't I be allowed to create artificial man? And I expected that the audience would kind of protest, would say, no, are you crazy? But in the light of a corona crisis or in the light of huge challenges, obviously the crowd accepted that that human beings should now build human-level AI machines. And I think you really see how the progression is, also the acceptance in society in these alien movies there. And uh, I think that comes pretty close. Also, the machine, the dilemma there was, we robots, we are not allowed to create other robots. This was a holy rule kind of built into the machines. And these robots, they are not happy with that. So they also want to create other machines and then everything kind of blows up there, right? So I think this, uh, it's very interesting how they visualize that, very interesting how they, how they treat that topic. And I think this science fiction series, the Prometheus and the Alien Covenant, in my view, comes very close to a realistic development in AI. Thank you, Pascal, uh, also for the, for the explanation. My second last question is about if people would like to, to connect with you, to contact with you, what's the best way to reach you out? I think they should be outstanding what they write to me or just writing something that I find very catchy. If it is catchy, I don't mind the channel. It can be WhatsApp, it can be email, it can be on LinkedIn. So my preferred channel would be LinkedIn. And the second one would be email. 
And uh, but please make it somehow stand out because usually I delete my emails when I don't see in the in the title something that is relevant. Yeah. Thank you for the for thank you for the hint. <laughs> it, it means what I wrote to you what was enough enough intelligent that you that you answered to that. And the guy who wrote the email is also very important. So I know Gregorio and I know you're alleged uh, uh, interesting guy. Thank you very much. And this is my very last question. And this is the question I always ask. Um, it's something that we discussed or something new. It's the golden nugget from Pascal, something that you want to leave to the audience. We will be able to create human level AI within this decade, 2020 to 2030. And I think the race about AI will be decided in this very decade. So we are living in super exciting times. And we should all help that it goes into the right hands so it goes to the people, not to the governments and to the companies. Thank you very much, Pascal. As usual, I'm not commenting the golden nugget of Pascal because it's Pascal one. And I can only say thank you very much, Pascal, for your time. Thank you, Gregorio. And also thank you to the audience. It was really a great discussion with Pascal. Uh, outstanding insight. I hope that you enjoyed the discussion as much as, as I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. Grazie mille. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget. We are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.